1: It's not Sunday, it's Monday, and I'm pooping weird. (laughs) (laughs) Too much information?
0: (laughs) All right, so, hey, listener, this week's episode brought to you by the letter O for oversharing, and the color green for why does my poop look like that. Yeah! And yeah. the number two,
1: <laughs> Aww.
0: are we, are we hitting it a little too on the head now? A
1: little too on the head. Yeah. All
0: right. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. I, uh, I, uh, have not, I've been feeling a little under the weather the past couple days, but, um, it seemed to line up with post a wedding. So I took a COVID test this morning. I don't have COVID at least yet.
0: That's good news. Uh, that's
1: good. Um, and it was weird cause I kind of like assumed it was a hangover <laughs> Because, you know, it was a Lawler wedding and we we go, but I was actually pretty tame, like, for a Lawler wedding. Um, Didn't drink any red wine, none. Um, Well, maybe that's
0: the problem. Maybe my that was the problem. My body's Maybe, rejecting
1: the lack of red wine.
0: <laughs> yeah, like you, you need you need red wine to make sure your body knows that. Oh, we're metabolizing alcohol. Oh, cool. I know how to do that. But you take away the red wine, and it's not prepared for any alcohol.
1: Oh well, shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but well, shit. <laughs> Uh, cause I did, um, I also threw up a lot, but no, so I like, I woke up to go down. So it was the sh- day after and yes, yes, I'm sharing this I with the world. I
0: hope this is somebody's first episode. Me too. I <laughs> hope this is somebody's first <laughs> time.
1: I, I just think it's uh, I think it's a very good thing to be vulnerable and honest on these podcasts. So I'm being bu- vulnerable and honest. So I woke up and I went downstairs to like the breakfast, like the family brunch that was set up for the day after the wedding. And I felt actually fine other than being very tired because I was out with my like cousins and sister and stuff till like three thirty four so I was just tired and I went went downstairs and I was like, I'll get some coffee and some orange juice and I'll get some food when my sister and her fiance come down and like then all of a sudden I just like start feeling like I was like God I don't actually feel good and then the room started spinning this is like an hour and a half in and I'm like that's not no that's not a hangover this <laughs> this is this does not feel like a hangover this feels like something else so I went upstairs and Thank God for late checkout. I'm just gonna say. <laughs> I will say one of the uh, cleaning uh, people came in like probably at like noon. And I was laying on the bathroom floor, wrapped up in the bedding and had a pillow from the bed on the floor. I had Emily and Paris playing on the television. <laughs> Very low because I was trying to like rest in between illness. And <laughs> the cleaning lady was like, oh, um, are you checking out today? I was like, yeah, we have late checkout. I think I'm supposed to be out of here by one. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't write that down. I'm so sorry. She just kind of looks at me like, rough day, huh? <laughs>
0: I know what you did yesterday.
1: <laughs> but I think, you know, yeah. anyone who's ever had a tummy bug, I'm hoping it's kind of a 24-hour thing or like, I feel like I ate some weird stuff the day of the wedding, so I'm thinking it's just you know, you know, I'm just recovering. So if I don't have the pep in my step in my voice that I normally
0: have, that's why. Well, this makes a lovely transition. Actually, oh great! (laughs) Hey, listener. If you've enjoyed this material so far, go ahead and leave us a review.
1: (laughs) If you like listening to your co-hosts talk about their malfunctioning bodily functions.
0: (laughs) Which, in fairness, is not what we normally do. Um, It's not. No, it's it's not. And actually, I've, I've got I've got a couple of reviews that people have written us recently pulled up. And I just I thought I would share those and, and let our listeners talk about, you know, what it is we do. Oh, yeah. um, so the the first one I have pulled up here, the title is really fun way to get some culture. <laughs> You're welcome,
1: everybody. Can't you tell? Can't you tell from that opening?
0: They make great choices of what stories to read, and they manage to make it really funny and entertaining despite reading a whole short story.
1: See, I'm very funny and entertaining. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, poop is always funny.
0: Yeah, and cultural.
1: Yeah. Well, everybody poops. That was, that um, was everyone, one of our first books, everyone's, one of their first books was the, the acknowledgement of Everybody Poops.
0: To my knowledge, I have never read Everybody Poops.
1: Somebody read it to me. I think it was like a babysitter or something, but yeah. Uh,
0: well, anyway, this next review is titled Bravo. Uh, well, thank you. <laughs> This podcast is absolutely fantastic. The sound of a campfire as the hosts read classics is perfect. Huddled under a blanket or on your way to the office, there is no bad place to listen to the hosts put their spin on things. Listen and listen again. You won't be disappointed.
1: Aw, people like us.
0: People like us, (laughs) although they say shockingly little about the prevalence of poop and fart but you know I well, appreciate
1: that. Well I, I noticed that in the reviews so I wanted to add it into the podcast.
0: <laughs> Got it. You want to yeah. put a little more in there.
1: Yeah, I just, I would like to not put any more in there actually
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway if you've been uh, if you have been enjoying this material from this episode so far go ahead and write a review right now if on the other hand you have not been necessarily loving this scatological podcast uh, give us about 20 minutes we'll get around to doing what it is we actually do and then write a review based on that
1: yeah I, I would wait to like listen to what we actually do this is- is just our get to know us banter.
0: <laughs> getting to know you. Getting, getting to, to know, know all about, about you.
1: <laughs> and we also usually break out into random musical theater songs. That's that's pretty that's pretty for par for the course there.
0: Once <laughs> or twice a minute. Yeah. Uh so no so this this is not this is not our usual fare here. We're not a um what would you even call this disease? Living and I would just podcast? call it like a,
1: a talk rate, like talk podcast. Like I, I've definitely <laughs> listened to podcasts where they're just like they just sit there and sh- and pun intended
0: shoot the shit. I hope you have enjoyed this week's edition of Shit Talk. Um, <laughs>
1: shit Talk by Campfire Classics. <laughs>
0: But we'll now be moving on to what it is we really do, which typically
1: not is not what we do do literature, not what we do do, but what no, we do. Oh
0: man, it's not going to stop, is it? <laughs> this is we have set the tone for this week's episode, so strap in, y'all. Let's
1: do this. Let's. let's yeah, what uh, do we actually do? Not do so, do. What do we actually do, Ken? God, God
0: damn it. <laughs> um, I fucking hate this. So what we normally do is take turns selecting short stories for the other host to read. We pick (laughs) stories out of the public domain because old stories are funny. Um, Oh, I do have a fun
1: fact. I do have a fun fact before the fun fact section.
0: Sure. Go ahead and interrupt my recap of the podcast to give us a fun fact.
1: (laughs) You're welcome. Um, It was two years ago today that we came up with the idea for this podcast.
0: Happy anniversary.
1: Okay, continue. (laughs) I only know that because you tagged me in it on Facebook.
0: I, yes, I'm, I'm aware.
1: <laughs> and you were explaining and I went, oh yeah, oh yeah. It's it's the anniversary of the brilliant idea of this. <laughs> so do tell people what our brilliant idea was.
0: <laughs> so our brilliant idea was that we would cold read short stories from the public domain. And um, I mean, that's pretty much it. We try to figure out what the story is about as we go along by looking up strange words and making fun of you know outdated language and accidental penis jokes and that's pretty much it yeah I like to call it mystery science theater for literature
1: welcome welcome to our welcome to our our party
0: and this week I have selected a story for Heather to read out loud sight unseen for you dear listener and we'll see how that goes but before we get into that, I am going to go ahead and read some fun facts to uh-huh. let you know what's going on. Maybe a little something about the author. So let's jump into that. Let's do it. So I believe this week is, uh, is an author we have not read yet. Oh, all right. I'm fairly certain. Uh, Harriet Elizabeth Beecher was born June 14th, 1811 in Connecticut and would go on to become an abolitionist and after marrying a guy named Reverend Calvin Ellis Stowe and changing her name to Harriet Beecher Stowe, become the author of the well-known novel about the hardships of enslaved people in America called Uncle Tom's Cabin. Yeah,
1: um, I don't want to upset anyone in the room, but I definitely about uh, 13 years ago played Tup Tim in a production of The King and I, Yes, I know. And I did an entire retelling as Tup Tim, if you've seen the movie, if you've seen the production, <laughs> of Uncle Tom's Cabin done in a Chinese style done by a white Irish girl. Um, <laughs> anyway, I know the story well. <laughs> Great.
0: So we're, we're getting off to a mildly problematic start right off the bat. <laughs> Love that. Hey, you uh, know what? I'm just
1: going to be clean with it because the pictures are on Facebook, and so they're—you <laughs> can find them.
0: <laughs> it's out there.
1: I'm not. I'm Go not. digging.
0: Anyway, don't worry. We will not be reading Uncle Tom's Cabin this week. I'm it's, pretty sure. Uh, I hope not. <laughs> so, uh, Harriet came from a well-known family up there in Connecticut. Her father was a Calvinist preacher. The Calvinists, for listeners who may not know, are Protestant Christians founded by a kid with an imaginary tiger friend who historically in America have tended to side with progressive causes like the abolition of slavery, women's suffrage, and prison reform. Most of that is true. I'll let you figure out which one I made up.
1: I have an idea.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Harriet's uh, immediate family in addition to her father, also included two authors, a teacher, a revolutionary war general, and two brothers who became active abolitionists. So, you know, high expectations.
1: Yeah, so don't fuck it up. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, When she was 21, Harriet attended the Lane Debates on Slavery at Lane Seminary in Cincinnati. This actually became a fairly... um, a uh, famous debate on the the evils versus the virtues of slavery at the time. Uh, I was uh, who was 19- on the
1: virtues side? Go fuck themselves.
0: Well, Southerners, anti-abolitionists. <laughs> um. Good. Anyway, the the debates actually led to violent riots from the angered anti-abolitionists. Surprise, surprise. Shocking.
1: Things have not changed at all.
0: (laughs) And uh, Harriet's father and several members of the board decided that violence is bad. And so they ended the debates. Most of the student body feeling that violence was a fair price to pay for speaking the truth, for speaking their feelings about slavery, decided to leave Lane Seminary along with a couple of professors and trustees, and they all went to the newly opened Oberlin, which had just agreed to accept students of any and all races.
1: Hell yeah. Yep.
0: You uh, know what? So then- sh-
1: Things have not changed.
0: <laughs> not, I mean, not much. <laughs> Anyway, she went off and got married. I mentioned that earlier. Her husband was a reverend, blah, 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 blah. She changed his name, changed her (laughs) name to the one we all know. Um, In the 1850s, Congress was doing some pretty crappy things regarding slavery. Uh, Harriet and her husband allowed their house to be used as a stop on the Underground Railroad.
1: I actually knew that.
0: She chatted with the refugees while they stayed in her home. And in 1851, at 40 years old, she wrote and released the first installment of what would become her her magnum opus, Uncle Tom's Cabin.
1: Probably based on true stories she had
0: heard. Based, Based on stories she had heard, yeah. Yeah. Um, So I've lifted these next couple of paragraphs straight from Wikipedia because they're actually pretty well worded and it's easier to copy and paste than it is to rewrite something that's already pretty good. So uh, the goal of this book was to educate Northerners on the realistic horrors of the things that were happening in the South. The other purpose was to try to make people in the South feel more empathetic towards the people they were forcing into slavery. The book's emotional portrayal of the effects of slavery on individuals captured the nation's attention. Stowe showed that slavery touched all of society beyond the people directly involved as masters, traders, and slaves. Her novel added to the debate about abolition and slavery and aroused opposition in the South. In the South, Stowe was depicted as out of touch, arrogant, and guilty of slander. Within a year... 300 babies in Boston were named Eva after one of the book's characters, and a play based on the book opened in New York in November. Southerners quickly responded with numerous works of what are now called anti-Tom novels, seeking to portray Southern society and slavery in more positive terms. Many of these were bestsellers, although none matched the popularity of Stowe's work, which set publishing records.
1: I mean, that's why it's in The King and I. It's, it's the, this girl who's been educated, who's been enslaved to be married to the king. And so she yeah. puts on this play of this show to be like, look, not so great. Maybe you should feel for us too.
0: The next paragraph that I lifted straight from Wikipedia, the second one uh, takes place a few years. This is the, we're now jumping a few years. Okay. Um, the Civil War has started.
1: Oh, good. Yep.
0: After the start of the Civil War, Stowe traveled to the capital, Washington, D.C., where she met with President Abraham Lincoln on November twenty fifth, 1862. Stowe's daughter, Hattie, reported, quote, it was a very droll time that we had at the White House, I assure you. I will only say now that it was all very funny, and we were ready to explode with laughter all the while.
1: Droll. What Lincoln
0: actually said is a minor mystery. However, uh, her son, uh, yeah. Harriet's son, later reported that Lincoln greeted her by saying, So you are the little woman who wrote that book that started this great war.
1: I have heard that I, yes, I was like, as you started saying it, I'm like, I think I've actually heard this quote because my dad is a huge Civil War buff. Right. So I think that's something he like talked about when I was younger or something. Um, but yeah. So yeah, you're the little woman.
0: <laughs> yep. Who <He> wrote <laughs> the book that started this great war.
1: Well, you know what? Good for her. It yeah. needed to happen. And I'm just waiting for the next book to come. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. This is where we get political and don't talk about poop. Yep
0: remember <laughs> uh anyway her own a- accounts of the uh of the meeting are vague but she did uh write a letter home to her husband while she was there saying i had a real funny interview with the president <laughs> <laughs> anyway very cool lady did a lot of stuff she ended up writing like 12 books countless articles a bunch of poems at least half a dozen short story collections she had seven kids and she died seventeen days after her eighty fifth birthday.
1: Damn. So she lived yep. old for that time period. She
0: she kicked it around decent chunk of time. With
1: seven kids and With like seven kids. And like starting the Civil War. I mean, and, busy and whole, times. And a whole
0: writing career and like Fuck, pissing yeah. off everyone <laughs> south of the Mason-Dixon line. Good.
1: You know, it's got to <laughs> happen sometimes. <laughs>
0: um, and today you'll be reading a short story that she wrote called The Ghost in the Mill. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Let's start this fire.
1: All
0: right. Hey, listener, just in case it comes up, Bear in mind that while Harriet Beecher Stowe is very much a progressive woman who is like on the side of the oppressed historically all the time, she's also writing in the 1850s and 60s, and so there is the possibility that... um, the, we'll say, accepted nomenclature might be a little nightmarish by our standards. So if something comes up, we will either address it or just edit it. And it's possible you won't even hear this.
1: The Ghost in the Mill by Harriet Beecher Stowe. Come on, Sam, tell us a story, said I, as Harry and I crept to his knees. Well, that's a that's an apropos beginning. <laughs> that's
0: cute. I like this opening.
1: Yeah, tell us a story. As Harry crept to his knees in the glow of the bright evening firelight. Wow, this is uh pretty on the nose for what All we right. do at Campfire Classics. Tell Great. us a story around the campfire. All right.
0: Loving it. Loving it, loving Love it, it, loving it. I'm just
1: gonna start again because it's cute.
0: Come on, Sam.
1: Sam, tell us a story, said I, as Harry and I crept to his knees in the glow of the bright evening firelight, while Aunt Lois was busily rattling the tea things, and Grandmama at the other end of the fireplace was quietly setting the heel of a blue mixed yarn stocking. What this a, what is a picturesque, so cute. What a picturesque beginning. Yes. I
0: want this Norman Rockwell painting.
1: Yeah. <laughs> In those days, we had no magazines and daily papers, each reeling off a serial story. Once a week, the Columbian Sentinel came from Boston with its slender stock of news and editorial. But all the multiform devices, pictorial, narrative, and poetical, which kept the mind of the present generation ablaze with excitement, had not even had not then even an existence. There was no th- This was
0: back before the kids had their iPhones they had their and their damn televisions.
1: iPads and streaming Idiot services boxes. and Twitters and <laughs> This is before they even had No, here it keeps going. There was no theater, no opera. There were in old town no parties or balls. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a female-only colony.
0: Orchestrati.
1: Or orchestrati or transitioning uh people. That's fine. There were no theater, no opera, there were, in old town, no parties or balls, except perhaps the annual election or Thanksgiving festival. And when winter came and the sun went down at half past four o'clock and left the long, dark hours of evening to be provided for, the necessity of amusement became urgent. Hence, in those days, Chimney Corner's storytelling became an art and an accomplishment. I love it! See? Hey, yes. this is like this is like the best ad for our podcast ever.
0: <laughs> Sweet. All right, so we're going to be clipping some of this audio and just
1: right, putting like, it up. Society then was full of traditions and narratives, which had all the uncertain glow and shifting mystery of the firelit hearth upon them. They were told to sympathetic audiences by the rising and falling light of the solemn embers with the hearth crickets filling up every pause. Then the aged told their stories to the young, Tales of early life, tales of war and adventure, of forest days, of captivities and escapes, of bears and wild cats and panthers, of rattlesnakes, of witches and wizards, and strange and wonderful dreams and appearances and providences.
0: Dude, Um, these stories sound dope.
1: These stories sound cool. And like, where'd the witches and wizards come from? (laughs) That's cool. Like, it was all very, like, practical of, like, you know the 1800s, it was like, yeah, like stories of war and stories of like, you know, coming to the the Americas and, you know, like animals that we encountered in our journeys. But then it's like, witches and wizards.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's the, it's the 19th century, witches and wizards are still actually out there. Well, actually getting burned at the stake.
1: I just remembered that we are in Massachusetts, so fuck. <laughs> Oh, yes. In those days of early Massachusetts, there it is, faith and credence were in the very air. Two-thirds of New England was then dark, unbroken forests through those tangled paths and mysterious winter wind groaned and shrieked and howled with weird noises and unaccountable clamors. Mm. (laughs) Oh, I'm so excited. Uh, Hocus Pocus 2 comes out this this Halloween. Oh, my God. (laughs) Sorry, it just made me think of it because they are definitely in Salem.
0: For that. Speaking of creepy Massachusetts ghost stories.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Ooh, it looks so good. I saw the preview. It looks amazing. Anyway. Along the iron-bound shore, the stormful Atlantic raved and thundered and dashed its moaning waters as if to deaden and deafen any voice that might tell of the settled life of the old civilized world and shut us forever into the wilderness. A good storyteller in those days was always sure of a warm seat at the hearthstone and the delighted homage of children. And in all Old Town, there was no better storyteller than Sam Lawson.
0: Hell yeah. Get it, Sam.
1: Dude, do tell us a story, said Harry, pressing upon him and opening very wide blue eyes in which undoubting faith shone as in a mirror. And and let it be something strange and different from common. (laughs) (laughs) I love that he had to define strange for this man.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, Sam is clearly old. He might not know what the cool new words yeah, mean. Yeah,
1: like like strange is like the hip phrase of 1860. Yeah. Yeah. Wall, I know lots of strange things. Oh, he got it. he's got some sort of dialect because he just said, "Oh, wall, I know lots of strange things." Said Sam, looking mysterious. I a Forrest Gump. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's be fair. Forrest Gump told a really fucking good story.
0: He did. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That movie wrecks me every damn time.
0: Well, I know lots of good, strange things.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, let's be real. Yeah, I'm going to stick with that voice. That's what it came out. Said Great. Sam, looking mysteriously into the fire. Why, I know things that if I should tell, why, people might say they wasn't so. But then they is so for all that. Oh, damn. He's He is a mysterious man, isn't he?
0: He is. It's like if Forrest Gump played Aragorn.
1: I'll put this on my resume.
0: For, for the record, not Tom Hanks.
1: No, Forrest actual Gump. Forrest Gump. Yes. Oh, do, do tell us. Why should I scare you to death? Maybe. Maybe said sam doubtingly oh poo no you wouldn't we both burst out at
0: once no you wouldn't scare us to death we'd just poo
1: we just poo our pants see oh poo see it was meant it yep. is it, it, it was meant to be this is there the, we go
0: we found our connection
1: it always happens we don't it never is planned but it always happens but Sam was possessed by a reticent spirit and loved dearly to be wooed and importuned. <laughs> <laughs> and do he only took up the great kitchen tongs and smote on the hickory foreskin
0: oh the hickory foreskin?
1: I, that's almost what I read. <laughs> I went, I went, uh-uh. Oh, that's not what it says. Okay, good. <laughs> I was like, Sam's standing way too close to the fire if his foreskin is hickoried. <laughs> like, I've heard of smoking meat, but I wouldn't smoke that meat. That sounds... Hickory
0: smoked foreskin.
1: Mmm, good. That's some good it's just, eating. It's,
0: it's actual hickory. It's, because it's, a, it's like an artificial limb for someone who got <laughs> circumcised as a child and wants it back.
1: So like the myth of like George Washington had wood teeth. This guy, yeah. Sam, this had guy a has wood dick.
0: wood foreskin. Okay. Not the whole dick, just the Not foreskin. The
1: whole oh, because that's that won't be painful at all, <laughs> ever for anyone involved.
0: <laughs> if it's sanded well, it could be nice and smooth.
1: You know, it's I basically I,
0: just a cock ring.
1: I, I have her tales of like old like dildos and stuff for like were made out of like wood, and I'm just like that sounds like the worst idea anyone ever had. Poor like, planning. Poor Very poor planning.
0: <laughs> I mean, I suppose if you, like you can sand that real smooth, you can't. But... You just want to take good care of it. I feel like,
1: <laughs> lord. Even,
0: even stone is a better choice.
1: Yeah, like seriously. <laughs> anyway, back to the hickory foreskin. Okay, so Sam likes to be like that. He wants to be begged to tell his story. Yeah. before he took up the great kitchen tongs and smote on the hickory four-stick when it flew apart in the middle and shattered a shower of clear, bright coals all over the hearth.
0: Drama queen.
1: Yeah, right. Mercy on us, Sam Lawson, said Aunt Lois in an indignant <laughs> voice spinning round from her dishwashing. Oh, don't you worry a grain, Miss Lois, said Sam composed, said Sam composedly. I see that our stick was even almost in two, and I thought I'd just settle it. I'll sweep up the coals now. He's like, I'm sorry I made a mess. I got excited. (laughs) I'll sweep up the coals now, he added, vigorously applying a turkey wing to the purpose as he knelt on the hearth, his spare lean figure glowing in the blaze of the firelight and getting quite flushed with exertion. There now, he said, when he had brushed over and under and between the fire irons and pursued and retreated ashes so far into the red, fiery citadel that his finger ends were burning and tingling. That's all done now. Well, as Hepsy herself could have done it, I allers swept up the hearth. I think it's part of the man's business that he makes the fire. But Hepsy's so used to seeing me do it, "'that I don't see no mean or merit in it. "'It's just as Pawson Lothrop said in his sermon. "'Folks always overlook their common mercies.' "'But come on, Sam, that story,' said Harry, "'and I coaxingly pressing upon him "'and pulling him down into his seat in the corner. "'Lordy masses, these are youngins," said Sam.' There's never no containing on them. You tell them one story and they just swallows it as a dog does a gob of meat and they're all ready for another. What do you want to hear now? (laughs) It's like these damn kids. There's no, there's no making them happy. No pleasing them. Well, I always say teenagers are cats and children are dogs. So it's like little ones are dogs.
0: Yeah. Can't you just go play Animal Crossing? (laughs) Give me a damn break.
1: Now, the facts was that Sam's stories had been told us to us so often that they were all arranged and ticketed in our minds. We knew every word in them and could set him right if he varied a hair from the usual track. <laughs> and still, the interest in them was unabated. Still, we shivered and clung to his knee at the mysterious parts and felt gentle, cold chills run down our spines at the appropriate places. We were always in the most receptive and sympathetic condition. Tonight, in particular, was one of those thundery, stormy ones when the winds appeared to be holding a perfect mad carnival over my grandfather's house. "'They yelled and squealed round the corners. "'They collected in troops "'and came tumbling and roaring down the chimney. "'They shook and tattled the buttered door "'and the sink room door and the cellar door "'and the chamber door "'with a constant undertone of squeak and clatter "'as if at every door were a cold, disconnected spirit "'tired of the chill outside "'and longing for the warmth and comfort within.'" Hmm. Well boys," said Sam confidently. "What do you have? Tell us. Come down, come down." We both shouted with one voice. That <laughs> was in our mind, a number 1 among Sam's stories.
0: <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I
1: love All right, that this guy. which
0: episode, which episode do you want to watch? Yeah. Which episode,
1: which episode of uh and and How I Met Your Mother do you want to hear today? Yep.
0: <laughs> yeah, like <laughs>
1: Yeah, you mustn't be frightened now, said Sam paternally. <laughs> oh no, we aren't frightened ever, said we both in one breath. Not when you go down the cellar after cider, said Sam with severe scrutiny. If you should be down in the cellar and the candle would go out now. <laughs> I ain't, said I. I ain't afraid of anything. I never knew what it was to be afraid in my life. <laughs> I think this child is overcompensating a little bit. Yep. Well then, said Sam, I'm going to scare the shit out of you. That's not what's written.
0: (laughs) Wow, she used real progressive language.
1: (laughs) I I have now figured out, I think Sam is grandpa. Sam is their grandpa. I think. Grandpa
0: or uncle. Or uncle. He might be be married to Aunt Lois. To Lois.
1: Yeah, that's true. But they're at grandfather's house, so,
0: yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah, and Grandma is there, too. And
1: Grandma's there uh, sewing a stocking. (laughs) Yep. Well, then, said Sam, I'll tell you. This here's what Captain Ebswawen told me when I was a boy about your bigness, I reckon. So, about (laughs) your size.
0: (laughs) Nah, I like about your bigness. (laughs) About
1: your bigness, I reckon. (laughs) Captain Ebb Swanson was the most respectable man. Okay. Your grandfather Wait, whoa, knew.
0: Whoa, 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 whoa! Hold up. Let's pick a pronunciation of that name because it's now been used twice and pronounced differently both times. It's and I the don't dialect. Think,
1: I fully and I blame don't think the dialect. His name
0: is Swanson. I think you added a whole bunch of extra letters.
1: I just want it to be Ron Swanson. That's fine.
0: <laughs> But if you're gonna pick that, let's make sure we're sticking to Swanson.
1: All right, his name is not Swanson, it is Sawin, I believe. All right. Captain Ed (laughs) Captain Ed Sawin was a most respectable man. Your grandfather knew him very well, and he was a deacon in the church in Dedham before he died. Oh, so it's not grandpa, it's definitely Uncle. Grandpa's dead. Okay. He was at Lexington when the first gun was fired against the British. He was a dreadful smart man, Captain Ebb was, and drove a team a good many years between here and Boston. He married Lois Peabody. That was cousin to your grandfather then. Lois was a real sensible woman, and I've heard her tell a story as he told her, and it was just as he told it to me. Just exactly. And I shall never forget it if I live to be 900 years old like Methuselah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we have Aunt Lois and this Lois.
0: Right. Aunt Lois and Lois, who's Grandpa's cousin.
1: Yeah. They all have, but like, remember, the same names.
0: Remember, this is, this is back in the, like, seventeen, eighteen hundreds 1800s when, when there were only six names. There was... Mary, Lois, Elizabeth, Harry Tom, William, and John. That's it. That's Those it. were the names.
1: Okay, got it. <laughs> uh yeah. You see, along back in them times, there used to be a fellow come round here in their parts, spring and fall, peddling goods with his pack on his back, and his name was Jaheel Lomadu. <laughs> He's some French fucker, is what his yep. name, what he is, and so I won't be doing his dialect if he talks. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody rightly knew where he come from. He wasn't much of a talker, but the woman, ra- <laughs> he wasn't much of a talker, but the women rather liked him <laughs> and kind of liked having him around. So he's a he's a dirty French peddler.
0: Yeah, kind of like who doesn't he talk a lot, of, but he sure is pretty.
1: He reminds me of the guy in uh, the the musical Oklahoma. Like, yep. like Ali Hakim comes through and he's like, Hey ladies, <laughs> how <are> you doing?
0: <laughs> also his name, Lom Dieu means the man of God. There's uh there L'om-dieu. is a there is a lake in Alexandria, Minnesota. Um which is the, the so that is the name version the if you were to actually see it spelled out there are, yeah. there are a couple of apostrophes and a couple of extra letters, but the lake in Alexandria Minnesota the time the town where I grew up is spelled Lake Lomdu or Man of God Lake but we all pronounce it because we're Minnesotans Lake Lahamadu Lahamadu Lahamadu
1: Yeah I was gonna say I've been there. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Women were like some fellows when men can't see no sort of reason why they should. <laughs> and they liked this air l'homme dieu. Though he was kind of mournful and thin and shell-bellied shall- and had nothing to say for himself.
0: <laughs> A little emo kid.
1: He sounds, Yeah.
0: Little so, little Euro Euro trash emo kid.
1: Euro trash emo kid, and women like a little mystery in their lives. So mm-hmm. yeah, they're like, "Ooh, who's this bad boy? He's so quiet." <laughs> it's uh,
0: it's it, it's Johnny Depp in Chocolat.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But it got to be so, and the women would count and calculate so many weeks before t'was time for Lam Dieu to be along. And they'd make up ginger snaps and preserves and pies and make him stay to tea at the houses and feed him up some of the best there was. This entire town is related because they all had sex with Lam Dieu. And yep. all the babies in this town come from the same man.
0: <laughs> yep, this next generation, it gets real rough.
1: And the story went round that he was a courting Phoebe Ann Parker, or Phoebe Ann was a courting him. Folks didn't rightly know which. <laughs> well, all of a sudden, Lam Dieu stopped coming round, and nobody knew why, only just he didn't come. It turned out that Phoebe Ann Parker had got a letter from him saying he'd be along afore Thanksgiving. But he didn't come, neither before nor after Thanksgiving time, nor after, nor next spring. And finally the women, they give up looking for him. Some say he was dead, some say he'd gone to Canada, and some said he'd gone over to the old country. Well, as to Phoebe Ann, she acted like a gal of sense and married Bijah Moss and thought no more of it. She took the right view on it. She said she was starting that all things was ordered out for the best, and it was just as well folks couldn't always have their own way. And so, in time, l'am Dieu had gone out of folks' minds much as last year's apple blossom. (laughs) It's really affecting to see how little these here folks is missed that's so much sought by. There ain't nobody, if they's ever so important, but what the world gets to going on without him, pretty much as it did with them, though there's some little flurry at first. Wall, the last thing that was in anybody's mind, that they ever should hear from l'homme Dieu again. But there ain't nothing but what has its time of turning up, and it seems his turn had come. Uh-oh. All right. My boyfriend's back and you're gonna be in trouble. Aina, Aina, and he's a ghost. <laughs> I, don't, I just assume somebody's a ghost. My boyfriend's this. back from the dead. <laughs> yeah. There isn't that a movie from like the 80s? I think there's Probably. a movie from the 80s that's so like it's really I just remember the like um the poster. It's I think it's called My Boyfriend's Back and it's like this girl's boyfriend like comes back from like the fucking grave as a zombie or something. Why do I have that Here in my we go. Mind? The
0: 1993 comedy that proves true love never dies. My boyfriend's back. That's it. That's the poster.
1: <laughs> oh my god. What weird place in my head does that image live and
0: why? <laughs> Starring Andrew Lowry. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, my God. Tracy Lind, Matthew Fox, oh, Danny Zorn.
1: Matthew and, Fox as in, like, Lost? Yep. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> uh, And then a whole bunch of other people I don't recognize. Oh, and Cloris Leachman. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> with Matthew McConaughey as guy number two.
1: So it's, like, Matthew McConaughey's, like, first movie. That's And Renee amazing. Zellweger. Oh, my God. What? Huh. Little did little did we know that this movie launched like modern day Hollywood's like biggest stars.
0: The 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 little um elevator pitch. Yeah. After a plan to impress the girl of his dreams fatally backfires, an infatuated teenager returns from the grave.
1: That's terrifying. Yep. That's a horror movie. Oh my god. It's probably not it's probably really funny. I I probably saw it.
0: It It came out when I was like 11. It is listed as a horror comedy.
1: Okay. It's like a dark, it's like Once Bitten, like with Jim Carrey. Okay. Uh,
0: The entire movie is available um, all over the damn place, including YouTube.
1: Oh, we will be watching that, y'all. Yep. (laughs) So, you're welcome.
0: So, that was a nice little tangent.
1: (laughs) All right. Enjoy. My Boyfriend's Back, 1993. Check it out. (laughs) Well, you see, t'was the 19th of March when Captain Eb Sawin started with a team for Boston. That day, there come on about the biggest snowstorm there'd been in this part since the oldest man could remember. T'was this here fine siftin' snow that drives in your face like needles with a wind to cut your nose off. It made teaming pretty tedious work. Captain Ebb was about the toughest man in them parts. He spent days in the woods a-loggin' and he'd been back to the district a Maine a-lumberin' and was about up to any sort of thing a man generally could be up to. But these here march winds sometimes does set on a fella so that neither nature nor grace can stand him. The captain used to say he could stand any wind that blew one way at a time for five minutes, but come to winds that blew all four parts at the same minute? Why, they flustered him.
0: (laughs) That's fair. That's what we call a hurricane.
1: Well, that was the sort of weather it was all day, and by sundown, Captain Ebb, he got clean bewildered. So that he lost his road, and when night came on, he didn't know nothing where he was. You see, the country was all under drift, and the air so thick with snow that he couldn't see a foot before him, and the fact was, he got off the Boston Road without knowing it, and came out at a pair of bars nights upon the Sherburne, where old Cack Sparrow's Mill is. Uh Uh-oh.
0: I'm 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 sorry. I'm sure this was a glitch in in the call. Did you just say old cock sparrow?
1: <laughs> I did not say cock sparrow, but his name is cack sparrow, C A C K. So it might right, as well be enough. cock sparrow. We're at cock sparrow's mill now, y'all.
0: <laughs> Although I think it's actually cack Sparrow.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. (laughs) This is not not Captain Jack Sparrow's mill. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Emil, try that again, and uh, with or without the cock. All right. Let's go.
0: (laughs) It's it's good to be flexible. You should always try both with and without the cock. See which one works better. It's
1: true. I mean, sometimes
0: sometimes it just gets in the way.
1: Yeah. Sometimes it's just like, nah, didn't need it. Um, they do, and came out on a pair of bars nigh upon Sherburn, where old Cack Sparox mill is. <laughs> Your grandfather used to know old Cock.
0: <laughs> oh, no. He sure did.
1: Anyway, your grandfather used to know old cack boys.
0: <laughs>
1: it's not, it's not, even when I don't say cock, it's funny. All right.
0: The old cack boys.
1: I knew the old cack boys.
0: <laughs> Those cack boys were up to no good, I could tell.
1: He was a dreadful drinker, old critter, that lived there all alone in the woods by himself, attending saw and grist mill. He wasn't always just what he was then. Time was that Cack was a pretty considerably likable young man, and his wife was a very respectable woman, Deacon Amos Pentagall's Data from Sherman. Or Sherburn. This is the town. Sherburn. But you see... "'The year after his wife died, "'Cack, he'd given up going to meetin' Sundays, "'and all the tithing men and selectmen could do. "'They couldn't get him out to meetin', "'and when a man neglects meetin' a grace "'and sanctuary privileges, "'there ain't no sayin' what he'll do next. "'Why, boys, just think on that. "'An immoral critter lying round loose all day Sunday "'and not putting on so much as a clean shirt "'when all respectable folks had on their best clothes.' and is to meet and worship in the Lord. What can you expect to come out of it when he lies idling around in his old weekday clothes, fishing or some such? But what the devil should be after him at last as he was after old cack. <laughs> <laughs> the devil is after the cock, and the cack is after the devil. <laughs> yep.
0: That's what I learned from the South Park movie. <laughs>
1: Here Sam winked impressively to my grandfather. Oh, no, grandfather is there. Okay, good. (laughs) Uh, It's Captain Ebb who's passed away. When he was talking at the beginning, he knew his grandfather.
0: Before he passed away. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: Here Sam winked impressively to my... But we are still
0: agreed that Sam is not the grandfather.
1: No, Sam is definitely the uncle, unless they got some weird polygamist something going on. Or he's (laughs)
0: winking at the mirror.
1: Oh, Yeah. Or he's their other grandfather. (laughs) Because it could be mom's dad. or I don't know. Or he's winking in the mirror. (laughs) Who knows? Or he's winking at a ghost or at the cock. I don't know. (laughs) I'm talking about rooster. Here Sam winked impressively to my grandfather in the opposite corner to call his attention to the moral which he was interweaving into his narrative.
0: (laughs) See, it's a Jesus story.
1: Well, you see, Captain Ebb, he told me that when he come to them bars and looked up and saw the dark coming down and the storm. Oh, wait, hey, we're back at the we're back at the snowstorm. OK, so yeah. we got so we're Captain Ebb's in the snowstorm. Then we found out about Cox uh, with, uh Mill and now we're back to the snowstorm. Right. Okay, that's so we're, we're
0: out are. of we're out of the cock mill.
1: Yeah, we're and... out of the cock mill and back into the shitstorm. OK, OK. Well, you see, Captain he told me that when he come up to them bars and looked up and saw the dark a-coming down and the storm a-thickening up, he felt that things was getting pretty considerable serious. There was a dark piece of woods on ahead of him inside the bars, and he knew, come to get in there, the light would give out clean. So he just thought he'd take the horse out of the team and go ahead a little and see where he was. So he drove his oxen up again the fence and took out the horse and got on him and pushed along through the woods, not rightly knowing where he was going. Plus, he just tied up his oxen like to a tree in this fucking snowstorm. They're like, the fuck? Well,
0: they're sturdy animals. (laughs) They'll be fine. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I played Oregon Trail. I don't know. You just don't want to lose your oxen, (laughs) they're important. (laughs) Gotta forge them rivers. "'Well, before long, he see a light through the trees, "'and sure enough, he come out at Cox's Baroxone Mill. <laughs> "'It was a pretty considerable gloomy sort of place. "'There old mills' was. "'There was a great fall of water that come rushing down the rocks "'and fell into a deep pool, and it sounded sort of wild and lonesome. "'But Captain Ebb, he knocked on the door with his whip-handle and got in. "'There, to be sure... "'sought old Cack beside the great blazing fire "'and his rum jug at his elbow. "'He was a dreadful fellow to drink, Cack was. "'For all that, there was some good in him, "'for he was a pleasant-spoken and obligin', "'and he made the captain welcome. "'You see, Cack,' said—' "'You see, Cack,' said Captain Ebb. "'I'm off my road and got snowed up down by your bars,' said he.' "'What you know?' said Cack. (laughs) "'Calculate you just have to camp down here till morning,' says he. "'Well, old Cack, he got out his tin lantern "'and went with Captain Ebb back to the bars "'to help him fetch along the critters. "'He told him he could put them under the mill shed, "'so they got the critters up to the shed "'and got the cart under, "'and by that time the storm was awful.' But Cack, he made a great roaring fire, cause you see, Cack always has slab wood a plenty from his mill. <laughs> Cock does always have slab wood aplenty. plenty. Cock's
0: always <laughs> got extra wood. It's
1: true. And a roaring fire is just so much company. It sort of keeps a fella's spirits up, a good fire does, so Cack, he sought out his old tea kettle and made a swiggin' lot of toddy, and Captain Ebb were having some tolerable, comfortable time there. Cack was a pretty good hand to tell stories, and Captain Ebb weren't no way backward in that line, and... And kept up his end pretty well. And pretty soon, there was a roaring and a ha hawing inside about as loud as the storm outside. When all of a sudden, about midnight, there came a loud rap on the door. Lord of Mansi, what's that? says Cack. Folks is rather startled, always be checked up sudden when they're carrying on and laughing. And it was such an awful blowy night, it was a little scary to have a rap on the door. Well, they waited a minute and didn't hear nothing but the wind a-screeching round the chimney. And old Cack was jestin going on with his story when the rap come again, harder than ever, as if it shook the door open. Well, says old Cack, if it's the devil We just as good open And have it out with him And honest, says he And so he got up and opened the door And sure enough, there was Old Caterney there I expect you heard your grandma Tell about Old Caterney Katuri? These names suck <laughs> <laughs> Um, There was Old Katuri there I expect you heard your grandma tell about old Katuri. She used to come to meetings sometimes, and her husband was one of the praying Indians, but Katuri was one of the real wild sort, and you couldn't no more convert her than you could convert a wild cat or a panther. Lord! Katuri used to come to a meeting and sit there on them Indian benches and when the second bell was a-tolling and when Pawson Lothrop and his wife was a-coming up the broad aisle and everyone in the house rising up and stood... Katoori would sit there and look at them out of the corner of her eyes. And folks used to say she rattled them necklaces or rattlesnake tails and wildcat teeth and such. And looked for all the world as if the spirit of the old serpent herself was in her. <laughs> Alright, so she was just, you know, she was uh, the, uh, uh, the black sheep of the, the town, let's not just say. Yeah. I've seen her sit and look at Lady Lothrop out the corner of her eyes and her old baggy neck would kind of twist and work and her eyes they looked up so that twas enough to scare a body. For all the world, she looked just as if she'd been a-working up to spring at her. Lady Lothrop was just as kind as Katuri as she always was to every poor critter. She'd bow and smile as gracious to her when meeting was over, and she'd come down the aisle passing out in a meeting, but Katuri never took no notice, you see. Katuri's father was one of them great powwows down at Martha's Vineyard, and people used to say she was set apart when she was a child to the service of the devil. Because <laughs> she is a. Headstrong woman, so of course of the time well, she and, was of the devil, and, and she's and a Native more American. Not Christian. Well, she's a native, yeah. so she's of the devil, but also she's just you know a very outspoken woman. Clearly, <laughs> anyway, she never could be made nothing of, of in a Christian way. She come down to Parson Lothrop's study once or twice to be catechized, but he couldn't get a word out of her, and she seemed and she kind of seemed to sit scornful while he was a-talking. Folks say if it was in old times, Katuri would have been allowed to go on so, but Parson Lawnthrop, so sort of mild, he let her take pretty much on her own way. Everybody thought that Katuri was a witch, at least. <laughs> she knew considerable more than she ought to know, and so they were kind of afraid of her. Captain Ebb says he never seen a fella seem scareder than Cat did when he see Katuria standing there. <laughs> Uh-oh. He's like, oh, damn. What are you doing here? Well, you see, boys, she was as withered and wrinkled as an old frosted pumpkin vine. <laughs> and her little snaky eyes sparked and snapped. And it made your head kind of dizzy to look at him. And folks used to say that any and folks and folks used to say that anybody that Katuri got mad at was sure to get the worst of it first or last. First worst of it first or last. That's what it means. And so, no matter what day or hour Katuri had a mind to rap at anybody's door, folks generally thought it was best to let her in. But then they never thought her coming was for any good, for she was just like the wind. She came when the fit was on her. She stayed just as long as it pleased her, and she went when she got ready and not before. Okay, so she now, now we know she has a habit of doing this and just yeah. showing up at people's houses and being like, What's up? I'm going to make myself at home. She's like yeah. the well, and that's, uh, she's like and the crazy the, neighbor lady. Yeah. And
0: and that's what the um she came like the wind was all about. Yeah. She was like the wind. Yeah, she I know. came when she wanted, she left yeah. when she wanted. She stuck yeah. Her, yeah.
1: She's like Mary Poppins. She's like Mary Poppins. She comes when the wind changes. <laughs> like, yeah. She comes like the wind literally. Katuri understood she comes, English.
0: She comes like the wind?
1: <laughs> she comes Easily like the Easily and wind. forcefully. <laughs> Katori understood English and could talk it well enough, but always seemed to scorn it, and was always mourning and muttering to herself in native, and was winking and blinking as if she saw more folks round than you did. <laughs> okay, that's a little creepy. So she wasn't no more pleasant company, and yet everybody took good care to be polite to her, because they don't want to get a curse put on them.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: So old Cack asked her to come in, and didn't make no question where she come from or what she come on, but he knew it was 12 good miles from where she lived to his hut, and the snow was drifting above her middle. And Captain Ebb declared that there wasn't no track nor sign of track of anybody coming through the snow next morning. How did she get there then, said I. Didn't you ever see brown leaves riding on the wind? Well, Captain Ebb says she came on the wind. Yeah, Mary Poppins! (laughs) Okay, now this woman is just Mary Poppins. (laughs) In my mind. She's got a weird bag with, like, medicine inside that makes everyone happy, and uh, she can jump into paintings, and, you know, she's a little <laughs> weird, a little off, and she likes to feed the birds. And I'm sure it was strong enough to fetch her, but Kak he, but Kak, he got her down into the warm corner, and he poured her out a mug of hot toddy and give her, but... You see, her being there sort of stopped the conversation, for she sat there rocking backwards and forwards, a-sipping her toddy and a-muttering and looking up the chimney. Captain Ed says in all his born days, he never heard such screeches and yells as the wind give over the chimney, and old cat got so frightened you could fairly hear his teeth chatter. But Captain Ebb, he was a pretty brave man, and he wasn't going to have conversation stopped by no woman, witch or no witch. <laughs> 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 Fucking dickbags. And so, when he see her muttering and look up the chimney, he spoke and said, Well, Katuri, what do you see? Says he come out with it. Don't keep it to yourself. You see, Captain Ebb was a hearty fella, and then he was a little warmed up with the toddy. (laughs) Then he said he sees an evil kind of smile on Katuri's face, and she rattled her necklace on bones and snake tails, and her eyes seemed to snap, and she looked up the chimney and called out, Come down! Come down! Let's see who you be. <laughs> then there was a scratching and a rumbling and a groan and a pair of feet come down the chimney and stood right in the middle Wait, Santa just showed up? What the fuck?
0: <laughs> I mean, it is snowing.
1: It is snowing. And a pair of feet come down the chimney and stood right in the middle of the hearth. The toe is... The toes Pointing outwards with shoes and silver buckles a-shining in the firelight. Captain Ebb says he never comes so near being scared in his life. And as to old Cack, he just wilted right down into his chair. (laughs) Then old Katuri got up and reached her stick up the chimney and called out louder, "'Come down! Come down! Let's see who you be!' And sure enough, down came a pair of legs and joined right onto the feet. Good fair legs they was with ribbed stockings and leather breeches. Well, we're in for it now, said Captain Ed. Go, Katuri, and let's have the rest of them. She's just bringing, like, parts of
0: this man down the, whole the chimney. It's so creepy. Well, it's being described as bringing parts down. It's actually a guy sliding down the chimney. Oy. Like Santa Claus.
1: Yeah, Katuri didn't seem to mind him. She stood there as stiff as a stake and kept calling out, "Come down, come down, let's see who you be," and then come down the body of a man with a brown coat and a yellow vest and joined right on to the legs, but there was no arms to it. Then Katuri shook her stick up the chimney and called, "Come down, come down." I stand then, corrected. She yeah, actually is calling. She is down assembling body parts. She is assembling a man <laughs> or a person, and it's like it's kind of like Mr. Potato Head, but not.
0: <laughs> uh, how's how's the jo- joke go? Um, she uh she entered a bodybuilding contest. She had misunderstood the assignment. <laughs>
1: Is that a current joke, or did you just make that up?
0: It's um, because <laughs> that's uh, pretty it, good. It's uh, it's actually about Frankenstein.
1: Oh, okay. It's
0: Frankenstein entered a bodybuilding contest. He misunderstood,
1: he misunderstood the, assignment. the assignment. Got it. Okay, that's well, Katuri definitely misunderstood or or understood it. I think yep. she wanted to do this. All right, so she making a man. Let's, With
0: blonde hair and a tan.
1: Tan. <laughs> yeah, it's her Rocky. And there came down a pair of arms and went on each side of the body, and there stood a man all finished, only there was no head on him. <laughs> we don't need that, it's fine. Well, Katuri, says Captain Ebb, this here's getting serious. I expect you must finish him up and let's see what he wants of us. And then Katuri called out once more, louder than ever. Come down, come down. Let's see who you be. And sure enough, down comes a man's head and settled on the shoulders straight enough. And Captain Ed, the minute he saw eyes on him, knew it was Jehiel Lamedieu.
0: There he is.
1: Old Cack knew him, too, when he fell flat on his face. Exactly. (laughs) Yep. And prayed the Lord to have mercy on his soul. But Captain Eb, he was for getting to the bottom of matters and not for having a scare for nothing. So he says to him, What do you want? Now you've come. The man, he didn't speak. He only sort of moaned and pointed up the chimney He seemed to try to speak, but he couldn't. For you see, it isn't often that his sort of folks is permitted to speak. (laughs) What, the dead people? (laughs) But just then, there came a screeching blast of wind and blowed the door open and blowed the smoke and fire all out into the room. And there seemed to be a whirlwind of darkness and moans and screeches. And when it all cleared up, Katuri and the man was both gone. And only old Cack lay on the ground, rolling and moaning as if he'd die. Yeah, that's creepy as fuck. <laughs> this is actually a really scary ghost story. They just
0: drank themselves into hallucinations. That's <laughs> yeah. all.
1: Cack and old Eb are just—it's—it's uh, it's actually not hot toddy. It's like fucking. Uh, it's um, uh, It's like mushroom, like uh, like magic mushroom tea. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, Captain Ed, he picked him up and built up the fire and sort of comforted him because the critter was in distress of mind that was dreadful. The awful providence, you see, had awakened him, and his sin had been set home to his soul, and he was under such conviction that it had all to come out. How old Cack's father had murdered poor Lamdieu for his money. What? <laughs> oh, shit. What?
0: And there it is.
1: <laughs> How old Cack's father had murdered poor Lam Dieu for his money and Cack had been privy to it and helped his father build the body up in the very chimney. Oh, shit. <laughs> and he said that he hadn't had neither peace nor rest since then. And that was what had driven him away from the ordinances. For ye know sinning will always make a man leave praying. <laughs> Well, Cack didn't live but a day or two. Captain Ed got the minister of Sherburne and one of the selectmen down to see him, and they took his deposition. He seemed really quite penitent and Parson Cheryl, he prayed for him and was faithful in setting home the providence to his soul, and so at the eleventh hour, poor Cack might have got in at least. <laughs> <laughs> At least it looks a little like it. So they don't know, but he, he got all the he got all the blessings he needed to do so. Yeah. Yeah. He was distressed to think he couldn't live to be hung. He sorta of seemed to think that if he was fairly tried and hung, it would make it all square. He made Parson Cheryl promise to have the old mill pulled down and bury the body, and after he was dead, they did it. "'Captain Ebb, he was one of the parties of eight that pulled down the chimney, "'and there, sure enough, was a skeleton of poor Lam dieu "'So there you see, boys, there can't be no inequity so hid but what'll it come out.' "'For my part,' said Aunt Lois sharply, "'I never believed that story.' Well, Lois,' said my grandmother.' <laughs> Captain Ebb Sawin was a regular church member and a most respectable man. No, mother, don't. I don't doubt that he was. I suppose he and Cat got drinking toddy together till he got asleep and he dreamed it. I wouldn't believe such a thing if it did happen right before my face and eyes. And I should only think I was crazy. That's all. <laughs> hey, what'd I say? I said they both drank too. Much. Nope. Yeah, you said they drank too much. I said they were drinking mushroom tea. I believe it. Come, Lois. If I was you, I wouldn't talk like that, said my grandmother. What would become of all the accounts of Dr. Cotton Mather's... Magn... Mag- Magnilly? Magnilly? Who's Dr. Cotton Mather?
0: <laughs> Some weird preacher? I think we've run across this this author... Cotton Mather was a New England oh. clergyman who wrote a bunch of stuff, and she's talking about his book, uh, Magnalia Christi Americana, and I'm fairly certain we have run across a reference to that in another I, book. We have. The second
1: you started saying it, I went, yes, we have. Yeah. So it, it was basically, the it's this is basically Dr. Spock's book on what to expect when you're expecting, but it was uh, Dr. Cotton Mather's book of how to be a good Christian in America. yes. Got it. (laughs) There's the breakdown for what it is. So what would become of all the accounts of Dr. Cotton Mathers Magnilli if folks were like you? Well, said Sam Lawson, drooping contemplatively over the coals and gazing into the fire. There's a pretty considerable side of things in the world that's true. And then again, there's a side of things that ain't true. Now, my old grandfather used to say, boys, says he, if you want to lead a pleasant and prosperous life, you must contrive always to keep just the happy medium between truth and falsehood. (laughs) Now, that's my doctrine. (laughs) Aunt Lois knit severely. (laughs) Boys, said Sam, Don't you want to go down with me and get a mug of cider? (laughs) (laughs) Of course we did, and took down a basket to bring some apples to roast. Boys, said Sam mysteriously while we were drawing the cider, you just ask your Aunt Lois to tell you what she knows about Ruth Sullivan. Why? What is it? Oh, you must ask her. These here folks that's so kind of talking about spirits and such, come sit them down. You'll generally find they knows one story that kind of puzzles them. Now you mind and just ask your Aunt Lois about Ruth Sullivan. The end.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, this collection of short stories, this was the first one. Oh, I bet there's a... The Is whole it book all the- continues. It's all like it goes from one to the next to the next to the next. And so, oh, the so they're next- gonna go
1: upstairs and Ruth Sullivan. So
0: <laughs> the next the next short story starts with them going upstairs and asking Aunt Lois about Ruth Sullivan.
1: Oh my god, we're gonna have to read that. <laughs> we have to read that. I also kind of love Lois. <laughs> She's kind of my favorite. She's like, them boys were just drunk and fell asleep and passed out. And <laughs> Yeah yeah oh that was fun uh that that made my mind work really hard, but I actually like it it, it like it's i mean you've had to read stories and dialects, it just makes your brain work in a, it makes your brain work in a different way um yeah. but we got there it was good. I enjoyed that, yeah, that's a creepy fucking story man
0: <laughs> like, yeah what the fuck? And, and as i I feel like I've said this about some of our other authors um like not what I, not what I would expect from a short story written by the woman who wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, that's like, um, I remember the first time we read um, the first uh, Robert Louis Stevenson. Yeah. That wasn't um, like, or not, not Robert Louis Stevenson. Um, no, am I? Is it Robert Louis? Uh, Sherlock?
0: Oh, Arthur Conan Doyle. Uh-
1: Arthur Conan Doyle. Sorry, I'm thinking of the specifically of the Arthur Conan Doyle story, story, the funnel. Yeah, like like the first time we read that story, which is one of our episodes that you should go check out because yeah. like that's not what I ex- expect from the Sherlock Holmes writer. Because, yes, the writing was, of course, good, but like not at all like a Sherlock yeah, story. It's like very
0: supernatural.
1: Like very um, supernatural. No, but then the, you get the, to, but that's why we do the fun facts because the reason yeah. he wrote like that is because he was himself was very into the supernatural. So yeah. no, the Robert I'm Lewis sure Stevenson Harriet one. Beecher Stowe, I'm, I'm guessing this is what her family did. Oh like, yeah. Like they'd I'm sit sure. around and tell ghost stories. They you know? were
0: also very, they were very religious. She had a lot of Calvinist preachers in her family.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, uh, no, the, the Robert Louis Stevenson one that we read was that one where I was having to translate out of the like Gaelic oh, yes.
1: English, <laughs> yes, the other or Scotch the English
0: other, or whatever it was,
1: the other infamous uh dialect story yeah. that I did not mean to thrust upon you. Yep, <laughs> and if you become a patron of this podcast, you can listen to him read that in Gaelic. <laughs> Because eventually we downloaded a trans, like a translation of it, and that's into, how he finished the story. Into
0: normal people English.
1: Whoo! But he, he, you slayed it. Yeah,
0: I thought that was fun too. What did you think, campers? Did you enjoy that story? Oh, you, poo! And you <laughs> were, were you a fan of all the poo talk? How <laughs> did you feel about the episode generally? Please write in and let us know. <laughs> We'd very much appreciate it. You can message us on any of them, their social medias, or you could just shoot us an email at 5050artsproduction at gmail.com. When you send us that message.
1: You sound like the guy who plays the other Ron Swanson on Parks and Rec right now. Thank you. What's that actor's name? Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, that's exactly what you sound like. Continue. <laughs> um, I uh,
0: I lost the thread now. Um when you send us that email, please include the uh, this week's secret passcode, which is cockmill.
1: Cockmill. Dun, 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 dun. Send cockmill.
0: <laughs> um also like, subscribe, write a review, give us some stars, do the thing wherever it is you're listening right now, because yeah, that's and really if you, groovy. Re-
1: if you leave a review, we might read it on the podcast and then you'll be famous, but we won't say your name unless you want us to. And then you can say, please read my name out loud on the podcast. And then we will. And then we will.
0: <laughs> because we are shameless. Uh, that's all for me. Anything from you?
1: That is all for me.
0: Alright, well, thank you very much for tuning in, and until next week, this has been Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. Come
1: down, come down, let's see who you are.
0: (laughs) What do you want me to come down?